0: welcome to Not Quite Right. My name's Ed. And I'm Amanda. On today's show, we will be talking about the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once, a movie which Amanda loves. <laughs> now Amanda, have you ever wondered what you would sound like if you'd been born in America?
1: I had not wondered that. Are you <laughs>
0: okay, so in the last episode, we talked about ChatGPT. And since then, I've been going down a rabbit hole of AI apps. And there are lots of great ones. But this one from a site called Eleven Labs stood out. What it does is it trains itself on an audio sample and <laughs> creates a model for your voice so you can get it to say whatever you want. God, and did you break it? <laughs> I just happen to have several hours of <laughs> your voice and my voice yeah. lying around. All right. So I've um I've got a couple of samples. All right. But the limitation is it only really does American accents. Okay. So so I'll play you play yours.
1: It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. Wow. Isn't it weird? Oh, that is weird.
0: Yeah. It definitely has like the tone of your voice. Yeah, there's something there. Sounding completely different. Mm. So anyway. Let's hear you. Well, here's the weird thing. Even though the website says it only really works with North American accents, Mm. my one came out weirdly British. (laughs) 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 I'm I'm not sure why. So I thought I would get it to read a classic (laughs) piece of British literature. Oh dear. My penis was oscillating between (laughs) extremely sensitive and borderline traumatized. (laughs) The last place I wanted to be was Frostnipistan. i had been trying some home remedies, including one recommended by a friend. She'd urged me to apply Elizabeth Arden cream. My mum used that on her lips. You want me to put that on my todger? It works, Harry. Trust me. I found a tube, and the minute I opened it, the smell transported me through time. I felt as if my mother was right right, there in the room. (laughs) Then I took a smidge and applied it down
1: there. That sounds like, do you know what? That sounds Mm. like you actually read that and and put on a British (laughs) accent. Do you know what that was? Uh, Yes, I'm familiar with that. (laughs) Are you
0: familiar with the Prince Harry autobiography? Oh,
1: God. Just that part of it, though. Like nothing else from it. (laughs) I
0: think that's the most entertaining part.
1: most horrifying part. I have absolutely no intention of reading that book. What about you?
0: I I have no intention of reading the book, but I was definitely fascinated by what I was hearing.
1: Yeah, what I will say about Spare is the title is epic. I don't think there's ever been a better title for a It's a a good title.
0: (laughs) It's a good title for the second in line to the throne and also for a a bowler who's not very good.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's not too bad, a spare. (laughs) It'd be worse. (laughs) I don't know. I do get a bit of FOMO, you know what I mean? Like everybody's reading it and you think, oh, I just want to know for myself even to know for example how bad it is just to have, be able to have that judgment of my own and not make assumptions about it without actually knowing but at the same time the whole harry and megan thing like i just don't want a bar of it i do not care yeah <laughs> and um, you just feel like you're feeding the beast i'm i'm weirdly
0: Interested in the royal family for some mm-hmm. reason, like I'm interested well, I don't in, think, I in think
1: anybody who's interested in the royal family is weirdly interested in the yeah, royal yeah. family, <laughs> but I'm not
0: interested in, in Harry or the Megan controversy, and I don't even understand what it's about. Like, I watch The Crown, I'm into that, yeah, right.
1: I want to see like season 14 of The Crown, where there's oscillating penises and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nazi uniforms. So I think it was a couple of episodes ago when I was having a little bit of a whinge about the fact that I'd read this book by a woman who I knew and there were some really familiar items in Mm -hmm. her book and it was very upsetting for me. Well, it's happened again. So I was telling my daughters about where I was up to with my current writing project and I was explaining one of the scenes and my eldest daughter said, oh, that sounds just like this book I'm reading right now. And later that day she brought it to me. It was literally the exact same scene. Like I can't even tell you how similar these two scenes were. And now I've banned the book in our house. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. That's the the logical thing to do. (laughs) It's gotten thrown straight in the bin. But like what are the odds? Come on. I know, like I know everybody has this experience and there's, you know, there's no original thoughts but it was identical. Mm. (laughs) It was amazing. Um, I just want to state for the record that I did not steal the idea. Well, I did steal the idea, but not from them, okay? From someone else.
0: <laughs> Do you have a listening – is it is it Google in your house? Do you have a listening device that Ooh. is just like picking
1: up all these great yeah, ideas? maybe. That's where all these ghostwriters are getting all their ideas. They're just logging into Google and maybe. like listening in. Do you know what's funny though? To segue into our little chat about the movie that we're about to talk about, which I think is one of the most original things I've seen in a very long time and it's part of why I love it so much – and i was reading about the writers of that movie who said that they were having a real t- hard time just before it was released because they were seeing all their ideas yeah. elsewhere and in particular in season 2 of rick and morty apparently right and yeah. they had to stop watching it because it was so similar and they're like all of our ideas are in this series what are we going to do and yet i mean and i don't i haven't watched rick and morty so i can't comment on that specifically but I can say that when I saw the movie, it just felt incredibly original. So I think
0: it's, yeah, I think it's unavoidable. Like, whatever. There's similarities. I don't think it matters. I always think about Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. There was a movie called Battle Royale, a Japanese okay. movie that came out, I think about eight years before right. the Hunger Games, that is basically the same thing like a group of high school kids get drafted to go into like onto an island and Mm. they have to kill each other it's the last person standing and that came out years before yeah and what can you do
1: yeah you can't let it hold you back because you'd never write anything would you well just
0: because something has been written before you doesn't mean that you've just taken that idea and repackaged that idea Mm. it just happens to have been already written an idea that
1: you share you
0: still had the idea and you still wrote the idea
1: and to be fair i actually set out to write this book very intentionally copying the format of the Goonies. So I don't know yeah. why I'm even complaining that, <laughs> yeah. that I'm finding my ideas elsewhere when I'm very much riffing off something intentionally. So I entered this flash, well, actually microfiction competition, the New York City Midnight One. We talked about it. And part of the New York City Midnight competition is a forum where you can share your writing with the other contestants and um, comment on each other's work and, and share thoughts and this guy who was in my group i believe posted his story and it was very very similar to the book a man called ove to the point where like i mean he it wasn't plagiarism in the sense that he didn't copy the words of the story it was just the story itself in a short fiction in a, fiction a short form yeah. form yeah so yeah he didn't he didn't steal the words it's just the tone of it, the actual plot of it and everything that happens, the characterization of this man, well, I mean, spoiler alert, but the intention to kill himself and the way that he does that mm. is all the same. And I was kind of, you know, we've just been talking about ideas being shared and, you know, you, sh- you should never feel like you can't have the same idea as someone else. But to me I was a bit shocked. I just felt really like that's, not, that's going a bit far. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know where the line is because – like I said, it's not like he copied the text of the book. It's more just that it felt like he'd read the book or seen the movie and then just completely taken that and, and written it as his own thing. So, I don't know. I felt like it crossed the line. But at the same time, there's no sort of argument you could make where he had technically stolen any anything from anybody. I
0: don't, I don't know if it's even a question of, like, stealing ideas because ideas are not owned by someone. Mm. like. But also just taking something that, you know, has some sort of emotional value mm. and you can just kind of draw on that and condense it and then you know that it's going to work to some degree. Mm. That That is definitely cheating, I think. But
1: that's what, and that's what it was, I guess. It felt like cheating like because it wasn't taking new characters and putting them in the same situation. It was taking the same character, putting mm. the same character in the same situation. And the, the name even started with O as well, which is funny because there's the book A Man Called Ove. There's the American movie, A Man Called Otto, starring Tom Hanks. So, again, it's the old mm-hmm. names. And so it just felt like a continuation of that yeah. where there's it's not even trying to hide it. And yeah. it was well written. And he, this guy is clearly a, an excellent writer because otherwise he wouldn't have been able to pull off what he did in such a short – it's only 250 words to have such an emotional response. And a lot of the responses on the forum were – Wow, you know, you're definitely going to win with this because this is so amazing. And it was well written, but that's, I guess, what bothered me because you're taking someone else's idea mm. and not even really making it your own. It's almost like paraphrasing. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like yes. you, you do an assignment for school and you go on Wikipedia and then you just change the words around, yeah. get out the thesaurus and hope that no one notices that you've taken the first four paragraphs off Wikipedia. That's what it felt like. And to me, that's going too far, but, I, you know, did what can he you do? win? Well, we don't have the results no. yet. And I guess that's the thing. It's sort of, I think it'll bother me. And I suspect he will get through because it was well written. But I think it will bother me because I'll just feel like, well, that wasn't really you. Mm. Like you just never know. It could be
0: some completely subconscious thing. It, and that's the thing. It he's could. It's just like, oh, this sounds good. But they can't really place where they've heard the story before. Maybe they read the book like yeah. 15 it's, years uh, they've ago. They've absorbed something. it and,
1: and not really actively. Yeah. And
0: affect. if someone mentioned it to them, they go, oh, no, yeah. you're
1: right. You're right. Oops. But the interesting thing was too that on the forum, a lot of people were making this comparison. He wasn't actually replying to anyone. And I'm like, hmm, like you're not addressing the elephant in the room kind of thing. And I wondered about that too. Like, well, why aren't you even responding to that? And yet he was responding to the ones who were saying how great he was and how well written it was. So, alternative
0: theory maybe he is the author of a man called O. And he's just got one idea. (laughs) And this is like. (laughs)
1: Um, It reminds me of my most hated book in the whole world. And I do have what you might call an irrational hatred of this book, but it's Do Not Open This Book by Andy Lee. Mm -hmm. It's a kid's book. It's a picture book. It's now a series of like 800 bloody books and it's a complete ripoff of an old golden book that we had as children. I think it was There's a Monster at the End of This Book and Mm -hmm. it's a Sesame Street one featuring Grover. I was bothered when I saw the book for the first time because to me it was absolute straight ripoff and also very poorly done. Mm. <laughs> um, and also, you know, I have a little bit of bias against celebrity authors anyway. But I looked into it and he claims that he, he's never, ever seen that other book and I just can't believe that that would be mm. the case. But anyway, like you say, maybe he did and absorbed it somewhere in his childhood and or maybe he had the idea completely yeah. independently. I did hear about – um these dudes in some remote part of the world who invented the windmill independently had never heard happens. of Yeah, yeah exactly. There are like. only so many ideas to go around. Yeah. Is there? <laughs> I mean, there's a limited number
0: of things and to talk about and to is write
1: there? about. Yeah. yeah, Isn't it infinite? And don't we say the universe is infinite anyway? No. But it's always growing, right? Mm-hmm. Expanding, I should it's say. It's always expanding. But it has a limit. Yeah, but you can't all those ideas quick enough to catch up with the expansion but of But the what universe. ideas are you
0: talking about? It's not like there are <laughs> ideas that are on the edge of the universe that you can go.
1: The celebrity <laughs> authors are out there yeah. just cutting edge launching, of the actual launching universe. rockets
0: to the edge of the universe to
1: find <laughs> these great ideas. And then it turns out it's like pretty similar to an idea <laughs> we <like> had already. <laughs> yeah. So I heard that Matthew McConaughey is releasing a children's book. And I can't tell you how much this fills me with rage.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think once you get a certain level of celebrity and money. It's just expected. (laughs) You can pursue your dreams.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're not allowed
0: to. That's the time to become a writer because like it's hard
1: to make money being a writer. Usually. But
0: if you already have the money,
1: then why not? It's true. And I mean, if you're so bored with your perfect life. I think what bugs me about celebrity authors is that they're not really following their dreams, are they? They're just doing it because they can. They haven't had it's this passion of writing a children's book. Do you know what he literally said? He said, I just woke up at 2am and this thought occurred to me and I decided I'd write a children's book. Yeah, righto. Like, <laughs> that's not how it works. Like it is for him. Everything just works when you're Matthew McConaughey. You don't, <laughs> like, you don't like Matthew McConaughey? Oh, I despise like him? him. I don't know anything
0: about, like I've never like, seen personally. an, an interview him. <laughs> with him or anything, I don't know what he's like. But oh, his movies, obnoxious. you don't like him?
1: No. I mean, I can watch his movies. I'm just, just going to
0: take some notes for Get Wrecked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's not these acting skills that, that I have an issue with. It's his raging narcissism. Mm. <laughs> he's just, a, he's a walking red flag. No. No. Bring, bring back Brad Renfro. Bring Reanimate bring Brad Renfro. <laughs> <Ramfro.
0: laughs> bring that sad petition. Get this <laughs> shit happening.
1: <laughs> but, yes, I'm just a bitter. I'm bitter betty. About the idea that, like I said, it's not that these celebrity authors are pursuing their passion and dream. If they were, I'd have full respect for them. They're just doing it because they can. And they're just going to make money off it anyway. And it's often terrible is the other thing. And they still make money off it. And then on top of being terrible, they didn't even write it half the time. They just had the brain fart and then paid someone to like turn it into something. And so that package together is just offensive. We know how hard people work to break into the industry and so it's just a slap in the face to all these talented authors out there who don't get a look in because they're nobody but who actually have a wonderful story to tell but no one will ever know because no one picks their book up
0: on the other hand though he did give a writer a job
1: (laughs) (laughs) someone had to write the book that's true that's true i mean Arndo's out there giving lots of writers jobs
0: (laughs) Are you telling me he doesn't write wolf
1: girl? Oh, he doesn't. Are you telling me Ando doesn't write 45 books a year? <laughs> what on top of painting celebrities, on top of <laughs> <laughs> Look, he he has uh, reluctantly admitted that he uses ghostwriters, and I think as much as pretty obvious if you sort of look at what he's churning out. Mm. And I'm not a big fan of ghostwriters. They have their place, and, yeah. and full disclosure, Anne M. Martin mm. used many ghostwriters yep. to produce *The Babysitters Club*. She certainly wasn't churning out sixty books a year either. I think she said she wrote about sixty of the entire series, which is quite a lot, actually. But um, there are other authors out there who are who are really working hard and producing. It's
0: quite the nature a lot of our society. It's a People plague. will pay money for what they know for a name. Yeah, you know?
1: Andy Lee. Mm.
0: Ugh. <laughs> I think it's just uh, for a lot of celebrities, it's just the next thing that they do. Like, True. what do you do? You're, you've been in some movies, you've had a TV show, you've done some stand-up comedy. What else is there? Like,
1: yeah, What else is there to life? Just, I mean, you could just sit down quietly for five minutes.
0: I guess yeah, <laughs> you don't have to always be in the spotlight. That's one option.
1: <laughs> I don't think that is an option for Matthew McConaughey, not being in the spotlight. Jeez. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. Look, I've the got Matthew a little... <laughs> hater. Yeah, I am. I admit it. Who wants to join my club? And I admit that this is coming from a place of jealousy, right? I, I do admit that. Um, it's the publishers, I think, that I have an yeah. issue with who are throwing their money at, at these things. And it is just a capitalist thing, right? Like, you know, the idea of producing multiple Marvel movies mm. or Shrek 45 or whatever that we just know it's going to make cash so we'll do it with no – question about whether we should do it (laughs) or whether we're like contributing to society by doing it or whether we're actually being becoming part of the problem
0: yeah i think the problem is that life is unfair and i was watching an interview (laughs) with um the woman i guess she's i don't know how old she's now who plays 11 in stranger things Mm.
1: Recall her name uh millie bobby millie
0: bobby brown question was how did millie bobby brown become an actor and she was like oh I was just bored one day and I went to an oh, audition geez. and now I'm a, a star. I mean, that's also a kick in the face to yeah. many actors who take their profession seriously yeah. and study and, and work on it. And at least it's just it's not really fair, is it?
1: It's not. Hmm. It's not fair at all. I mean, there is this whole thing in Hollywood at the moment about the Nepo babies, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the beneficiaries of nepotism. <laughs>
0: that's always been a thing in Hollywood, though, is oh, not it?
1: It's been a thing, but it's like being exposed and talked yeah. about and criticized at the moment probably more than it ever has been I mean obviously we all know it's a thing and it's it's a thing in all of society not just in Hollywood um but it, it's just a kind of offshoot of that isn't it this celebrity mm. culture just kind of if you're successful in one area that you just automatically get a free pass into another
0: so the success opens the door yeah but the talent kind of yeah gives you a and in. So for example, I don't know if I should like slag people off, but you know, Kevin the Kevin Smith's daughter has right. been in some of Kevin Smith's movies. Mm. And but she's not really like a good actor. So she hasn't been in any other movies. Yeah, right. But there's other people who've had the, the well, nepotism like, like you know Drew Barrymore mm. or um and they're, um, and they're
1: just they had their foot in the door but they made yeah. the success themselves. And I I'm thinking of Ethan Hawke's daughter as yes, well who's in yes. Stranger Things. She's yep. very talented. Yep. And there is something to be said for the family business, right? Like if you've grown up around that Mm. and if your parents happen to be incredibly talented actors, it's not out of the question that you would inherit, either inherit or learn some of that talent yourself being around it. And so that's all fine. I mean I don't have an issue with people who are talented having an advantage and being able to use that advantage and then go on to success. It's more these people who aren't talented, (laughs) you know, who just wake up with a brain fart. And by virtue of their existing notoriety, they get to – they just get a free pass to the front of the Mm. line. That's what bothers me. It's like, sure, we know you. You've got your name. Great. People know that you're going to be able to sell books, for example, just because of the name on the cover. Great. But make it good. Yeah. And write it yourself. Yeah. You know, I was in the library a little while back and I saw this series of books that was supposedly written by Australian NRL players. (laughs) And (laughs) – I cannot stress enough how unlikely that is. (laughs) I don't know. Is there an argument that you're now bringing in a new generation of young boys? I'm sure Mm. that's the target audience of that. By having this picture on the front cover and saying, well, you think this guy's cool and he's written a book, so reading's cool. Are you
0: talking about fiction books written by? Yeah. Okay, not memoirs. No, no, no. No, I'm talking kids'
1: fiction books, like series books, like football-themed books right this is
0: just like the corporate world now this is just economics you know this is the someone approaching these guys and saying hey you know i'll give you some money for your name basically basically that's what it is selling
1: your name needs to be stamped out but then we'd be putting all these ghost writers out of work which people
0: would have to read real books then written by real writers they've never heard of how would they how would they know what to read if the name wasn't familiar to them already
1: Um, there's a middle grade series marketed to boys called Zach Power and I believe that that's all different authors, mm. you know, contributing to that. And I I feel like I'd probably be more comfortable with something like that where it was sort of more open yeah, as opposed to someone else taking credit for it. As an alternative, for example, if Arne Doe came to me and said, will you write the next Wolf Girl, I think I would say no. Mm. Um,
0: Because he stole your
1: idea. Because A, he stole my idea. (laughs) (laughs) B, he's got his name on enough books already. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, I think I would just, I'd want the credit for myself and I think that's important enough to me. Like I'm not doing it just for the joy of writing and having my writing out there. I'm doing it also because I'm putting myself out there and it's it's my own creativity and my own self going on the line and I think... I'd feel very uncomfortable with someone else's name attached to that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a career, like a totally legitimate career that you can mm. take and that that's an option that people who are comfortable doing that, by all means, like, but not me. I don't think it. it's for me.
0: Now it's time for Get Wrecked, the part of the show where we take turns recommending to each other books or movies that we may not have chosen for ourselves. That's one way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> Today's recommendation comes from Amanda. It's a movie that came out last year, Everything Everywhere All at Once.
1: So you, you love the movie. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's one of my faves of all time. So basically Everything Everywhere All at Once starts out with the story of Evelyn who is a middle-aged woman living in America as a Chinese immigrant running a laundromat with her husband. And we're introduced to this family scene, you know, where everything's sort of going on. They're about to get audited. The daughter's having issues. The marriage is in crisis. And that's where we start off. And then pretty quickly, things start to turn very weird. It gets incredibly bizarre, incredibly fun, I would say, um, but also really deep. So it's these two things working together. It's deep but also just completely ridiculous Mm -hmm. at the same time, which is why I love it, I think.
0: This is a movie that I had seen and you recommended that I give it a rewatch. I believe Uh, I insisted. You insisted. Mm -hmm. You tied me down, forced me. (laughs) Clockwork orange. Yeah, yeah,
1: toothpicks in the eyes, yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the first time I watched the movie, the first 15 minutes of the movie, I was really into it. It seemed like a, a pretty good... Arty drama, I guess. Uh-huh. Like she's about to get served with divorce papers. She's clearly not happy with her life. This is kind of an interesting setup. Let's see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And about fifteen minutes in, it takes a bit of a turn.
1: Just a little bit
0: um, into multiple universes, which is which is something I can get behind. Like I enjoy yeah, that movies that go down that down that path. But there was something about it. Just at that moment, the way that it, I expected one thing and got another thing. Mm. And then there were fight scenes, and it kind of got a little bit absurd. Mm-hmm. And I to think I, yeah, and I think I <laughs> disengaged from it a little okay. bit watching it the, the first time around.
1: You felt like you'd been
0: catfished, is what
1: you're saying? Yeah, I felt
0: like <laughs> I'm watching it, but I'm not really, you know, identifying with the characters or or, or trying to be emotionally invested in. What is going on? Mm -hmm. And so I will say the second time around, I did enjoy it a lot more. Yeah. Um, And I think I connected with it uh, a lot more. So I I could say definitely that it's a movie that I enjoyed this time around. Which surprised me. But it goes to show how much expectation has to do with whether oh. you enjoy like a book or movie. And I know 100%. that a lot of books that I've read, I think if I had read them on at a different time, I would have loved them or hated them or whatever. It's just all about your state of mind in the moment a lot of the time. Totally.
1: It's like, um, visiting a new country. Do you think sometimes like if you've got to be in the right frame of mind, if you have a good experience when you go traveling, mm. then you just, oh my God, like France is amazing yeah. because, you know, this happened and that yeah. happened. Um first time I went to France, I had a bad time. And so I just thought, how disappointing. Mm. France is supposed to be this romantic city. I was with my boyfriend at the time and we fought the whole time. (laughs) So I just thought, well, that's a, that's a little bit uh, disappointing. And I think the same applies to movies. For me, if a movie's had a lot of hype and then I go in and even if it's good, but it's not amazing, it's worse than if, I'd know nothing about it at all. If yep. I hadn't had any hype, I probably would have liked it. But it's that disappointment yeah. and that kind of, yeah, the expectation versus.
0: I think the hype was yeah. a, a big factor in this because it, it was really hyped to be like such a great movie. And I think I had an expectation that it was going to be a little bit more serious yeah. uh, and it wasn't, it's not a serious movie, although <laughs> some of just, its themes are, are pretty serious.
1: Yeah, I mean it's very deep. Mm -hmm. But not serious, maybe. Like it takes some very deep themes and with a really lighthearted approach to them, I think. But yeah, I can see what you mean. And I think I probably had the advantage of going to see it at Dendy Newtown, which gives things a bit of a different um, vibe as well. Especially for a movie like that. I feel like seeing it in the cinema... Is probably a much better experience than just watching it on the small Mm. screen because there's so much going on. So, do you want to just explain? So, do I want to just yeah, just summarize it in
0: in a sentence? Like, (laughs) Um, basically, the idea is that every decision that you make in your life spawns a entirely separate universe so Mm. you the multiverse theory yeah yeah so it's a it's based on an actual quote-unquote theory that exists and people can travel between these universes or occupy the the mind of their corresponding person in this other universe and i thought what was interesting about this idea was that the more similar the universes are the closer you are and the more that you can jump easily between those Mm. two universes and When you imagine that every single thing that happens ever in in history results in a new universe, you're going to have – a massive amount of universes, mm. how do you kind of jump between them? How do you find them mm. rather than going to a universe where the earth never Existed, came about yeah. and you're just floating in space where you that ne- would be most of born. the universes? There's got
1: to be a fair few universes where you were never born. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we're talking about minor tweaks a lot of the time and it's it's packaged in this, it's centered around this question of what if, like mm. what what could my life have been if it hadn't turned out the way that it had, which is a question that, that everyone
1: has. But I think that's what's so appealing about it. it's very relatable mm-hmm. and i think their choice to use the wife and mother as the main protagonist in the story i think was a really good choice because mm-hmm. originally that wasn't the intention it was meant to be starring jackie chan and it was going to be oh. the male lead who was experiencing all of this stuff and it wasn't until later that they decided who was going to be acting in it that they changed it to the wife and mother and i th- and perhaps that's why i found it more relatable too because there is this thing and especially i believe either when you're getting older but especially if you're a mother because Mm -hmm. I think mothers start to lose their identities a little bit in a way that's probably very relatable for just about every mother out there, that the idea of what if, you know, what if my life hadn't turned out this way and not in any way of like, oh, I wish I'd never had my children or anything like that but more a case of all the things I could have done if I was not giving everything I had to my children. Mm -hmm. All the things I could have done if I hadn't like, cut my life off at that point to start a family. And I think that's what's really interesting about her story is, you know, they say at some point in the film, in the first third of the film or whatever, um, this is why you're the chosen one essentially is because you're the worst version of Mm -hmm. yourself that you could possibly be. And we see her, she's in a situation where she's unhappy in her life, she's getting audited, her business is about to get audited and she's going to lose all this money. Her daughter has no respect for her. She's unhappy in her marriage. Um, Her father is horribly judgmental of her. Um, Her life just hasn't turned out in a way. Like it's it's felt almost as if the choices have been made for her and she sort of ended up here as opposed to designing a life that she wanted. And I think that's incredibly relatable. I think that's something and it's quite moving to think Mm. like, okay, you can still be this like chosen one um, who's just sort of an undiscovered gem. So just because you're in a rut doesn't mean that you don't still have all this potential to do whatever you want, to make whatever choice now that you want to make and to redesign your life from Mm. there. I think
0: that's what I... that's That's a positive message.
1: I think the whole movie has a positive message despite the fact... Like I would call it a love letter to nihilism, right? And I believe that, you know, existential nihilism can actually be a really positive thing. So it gets a a bad rap as being like, well, if nothing matters, then why bother? Mm. And that's what the theme that this movie really touches on, that nothing matters. Um, And so if nothing matters, then why bother? But really, when you look at existential nihilism, the idea of nothing matters, therefore, you can do whatever you want. You know, stop being restrained and constrained by society's expectations of you. Get out there and do whatever you want because it doesn't really matter. So you may as well just do what makes you happy.
0: So I guess that links into the whole idea of the everything bagel. Mm. So mm. the daughter, do you remember her Joy. name? Joy. The idea behind her character is that she was kind of brought on by her parents in this exploration of all, all the multiple universes she didn't exercise maybe the same restraint as they did. And there's this whole idea that if you get too connected to one of your other alternate personalities, and if you start to explore too much of your alternate selves, you can kind of fragment yourself, mm. um, and I, which is, I think is an interesting idea because it is also a metaphor. Like mm. if you get hung up too much on what could have been... yeah then you lose track of who you who you are and what your potential is. Mm-hmm. But so she's become this kind of villain in the show. But you say that movie. she's
1: shown a lack of restraint. The story mm. is actually that in this alpha universe that the same mother was also her mother there yes. and pushed her beyond the brink. Mm. So it wasn't her showing a lack of restraint. It was her mother pushing her. And I think that theme too is very strong and from what I read and from what I understand is incredibly relatable within the Chinese culture, yep. this pushing to be the best. And so that was the idea that she was pushing her daughter to be the best at what they call verse jumping, jumping mm-hmm. between the universes. And so in doing so, she pushed her too far. And that's when, as you say, she's broken, basically.
0: Yeah. And so she's portrayed as as the villain and she represents, I guess, a view of nihilism I guess what the movie does well is develop this logical idea of what nihilism is and where that idea comes from. And so the the idea comes from her experiencing all of these different realities. She is a character that uh, has the ability to do everything. She's done everything a million times. And so her response to this is really, I guess, a form of depression. Yes. And so yeah. the movie deals with this conflict or or even not conflict, but counterbalance between her depression and her mother's, I don't know if it's optimism. The daughter Joy sees that um, the world has no meaning and there's no purpose. So she builds this everything bagel basically (laughs) throws everything in the world onto this bagel and she sees that as a way of just I'm going to get sucked into this and I'm going to cease to exist.
1: But I think that was another really interesting component in much the same way of the idea of a middle-aged woman perhaps being in a rut, losing her identity when she became a mother, for example, but also this looking at depression, which Mm. is, you know, a common affliction to look at that from a different angle and I felt the movie really handled that very well mm. and gave a really positive message in response to that. And I would also say so if we're talking about nihilism, I think there's existential nihilism, which is a, what I think this movie is all about. Then there's moral nihilism, which is all about there's no objective good or evil. Um, you know, in the past religions had sort of claimed this and said that. There is a real truth and there is a real wrong and a real right and, and everybody must do it this yeah. way or they're wrong. And moral nihilism says, well, no, that's garbage. There is no objective right or wrong. That's where you can get into dangerous territory of, well, let's go commit homicide then because mm. there's nothing wrong with it. But if we're talking existential nihilism, the idea there is that there's no meaning to life. There is no intrinsic meaning. The only meaning is what we create and you can get dark with that too if you want but i'm i'm a big fan of it and i i believe actually what it does mean is you get to choose what the Mm. meaning is and that's really wonderful particularly for people who are outside of social norms who are wanting to go a different way that that's okay you can do that because you're creating your own meaning you bring your own values to every situation and as long as you're acting in accordance with your own values you will be happy. And so I guess that's the counterpoint to this: I, the depression that can come from thinking, okay, there's no meaning to anything. There's no objective meaning to life. So therefore nothing matters and therefore what's the point of having love or what's the point of having a family? What's the point of striving? Because it really doesn't matter. We're all just going to die anyway. Yeah. That's the depressive look on it. But the counterpoint, which is what the, the movie comes back with, is basically like nothing matters therefore – All that matters is joy. All that matters is happiness. All that matters is bringing happiness to yourself and others around you. And in that way, striving becomes meaningful again because you're striving to what's important to you. You're striving to what brings you or or the ones that you love more joy. And I think that, you know, it's no accident that they named her Joy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And in the end, you know, of this movie, Love Wins, and I think that's probably why the movie was so popular because it – does have a really nice, you know, wrap it all up kind of thing. Like it it blows your mind and then it goes, oh, it's okay. It's okay, darling. Yeah, like it's I, all I, actually fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. That was a, look, I liked Synecdoche at the end because it had that bleak, but ending that's the thing, where I he just understand. dies yeah. and it's awful and that's it. You're just <laughs> dragged through the mud and then you die, <laughs> and I kind of like that because it, it felt very honest and very um oh, no, that's I, sad. as it, it didn't try to sugarcoat it. Yeah. So with this movie, I felt at the end. It said, hey, if we follow this to its logical conclusion, we get to this really depressing answer. And there is a counterpoint to that, as you said, and that, that counterpoint is that, well, it gives you the freedom to embrace love and all the good things about life. I don't know if it really uh, made the case strongly enough for that. Really? Yeah. I I felt it was more like it just smoothed over that and said, oh, but don't worry about all this. Mm. Isn't it better just to be kind to each other? Um, Which is not something I disagree with, but I think that there was room there for, I think, a stronger argument made I, at the end I, of the movie i don't, I I don't agree really with
1: you i don't think it was all Oh, let's just be nice to each other at all i think what it did was it really went hard into that mother-daughter relationship mm. as its primary point i mean there was a lot of other things going on but i think we could probably say the main theme came mm-hmm. from that mother-daughter relationship and mother-daughter relationships are complicated yeah and i think the movie really was honest about that complication like certainly you would recognize in that first part of the movie that it really is getting to that truth of this yep. difficulty of a mother and a daughter, who, teenage daughter who are just not connecting. The mother's very critical. The daughter's trying to go her own way. Um, all she's getting is criticism in response. And I think that's quite a common experience. And then to have that come full circle, it it didn't sugarcoat it. They weren't perfect happy ever after in the end. No, they I was think what it glossed over was
0: – no, no, I agree with It all, was very everything. much
1: like – okay, we still got our issues but like but we love each other and underneath it and I think that for many people and for many families it's like, yeah, we've got all these issues. We can't always get along. We can't always see eye to eye but underneath that is this love and and that exists and you can't sort of deny that it exists mm. and, and you feel it. So we can say, oh, nothing matters in the world but there's something about love that you just feel and experience and it's not. It's not fake, you know. It's not just a a happily ever after rubbish. It's very, very much the essence of who we are as human beings and I think it underlines everything about what we do and why we do it. And I think that's what the movie was touching on, not just like, oh, let's wrap it all up in a little bow. I guess
0: it was more felt out than argued for. Yes. Whereas a lot of the the rest of the movie was was an argument in Mm. favour of nihilism, mostly on the daughter's part. And the counter-argument was, yeah, but – (laughs) <laughs> but not, but it's not. But that is I, I the counter argument. Don't,
1: counter-argument. don't yeah. you see? I I don't know. Maybe I'm weird, but I feel like this is probably a common experience too, especially when I was a teenager, just going through this phase of like just having these like really deep thoughts and just getting really freaked out. Mm. Like when you start to think about like, oh my God, like what are we? Yeah, You know, where did we come from? Yeah. What's the point of anything? What is happening? And I used to get – a bit too far down the rabbit hole and get so scared and just like it's too much like Mm. your brain cannot actually comprehend any sort of meaning from why we are here or what the purpose of anything is and if you start to go too far down that track like it will break your brain like it will and so I think that the movie was actually quite accurate in that you do just have to kind of band-aid over it and say but actually don't you feel like there's a meaning, Yeah, there is something to that. Yeah. Listen to that feeling, listen to your instinct that love is there for a reason, that we are striving for something, not just, you know, that it's all about um, procreation. No, there's something else, you know, like this need to make our mark on the world yeah. or to experience love and share love, the, the need to bring joy and happiness to people that we care about. Like that's that's an instinct that we have and that's there for a reason and just because we can't explain it doesn't mean it's mm, not true.
0: Mm. Yeah, you're right. I think I'm asking for it to be resolved in a way that it just yeah, can't like, be. like,
1: like <laughs> philosophers have been talking about <laughs> yeah. this since the dawn of time, like you're expecting a, a movie to wrap it up. It is long, I'll give you that, and, and sitting in a cinema watching it without a break mm. was quite full-on experience. Yeah. Um. And and there is that sense too because it's, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it is broken up into three parts, everything, everywhere and all at once. It's the three parts. And it takes like a solid like hour and a half for the first part to finish and then you get to the second part and you're like, oh, my God, (laughs) like is it going to be like five hours long? Then it's not. But it, it does at times I think feel long and I think it probably could have been cut down in certain parts although i'm not sure what i would cut out
0: i think you could lose some of the jokes a few of the jokes were done a few too many times yeah um you know the sausage fingers but at the same time a few of the jokes landed with me a lot better this time around (laughs) yeah for some reason i i really enjoyed (laughs) racacuni
1: i don't know what it was but i thought that was actually hilarious i actually found racacuni much funnier on the second viewing as well i don't know why oh god so good but on that okay let's move to that like forget the nihilism and the bloody meaning of life it's freaking hilarious it's the most shocking offensive insane sequence of events that i've seen in a cinema in my entire life and probably ever will again it's hilarious.
0: And I think I was left with that feeling at the end, actually, you know, there there are some movies that you watch and you think maybe it has its flaws or maybe there are things that could be changed. But at the end of the day, you look at it and think, well, I'm glad it exists because there's nothing really like it. Mm. And I'm really much prefer to have people try and create something that's a little bit different, that's a bit unique than just kind of do the same thing over and over again in a predictable way. Mm. Um,
1: Exactly. Like, Let's not criticise this movie when we could be having like Spider-Man 45. Exactly. I really appreciate like how far they went with it. And I think that's part of why I love it so much. When you watch creators, artists of any type, and in this case screenwriters, absolutely go for it. Like just completely put their entire selves on the line and go really hard for something that they think is funny, that they believe in. And to watch someone pull that off I think is it's inspirational and it's incredibly like rewarding, you know, when there is so much fear in Hollywood Mm. of like, okay, well we're just going to do Shrek 5 because we know that people will go and see it and we've already got all the assets from Shrek's 1 to 4 and so we can just reuse that and it'll be cheap and we know we're going to make some money off it, great. Like no, like give us something original, like, Give viewers a little bit of respect, like that they can handle something a bit Mm. different and appreciate it if it's done well. And I think, I don't know if it's laziness or the fear of investors and they just want to throw their money at something that's just going to be a quick buck. But I really do love to see these ones where they've actually taken a chance on something and it was a risk, like it could have landed pretty badly. There's some incredibly offensive stuff in it that... I mean, even watching it myself, like, thinking, this is awful. I did not want to be watching this right now, and yet I can still have a laugh about it. I certainly won't be recommending the movie to my mother-in-law. No. Um, but, but, no. Okay, you got to tell me. What was your favourite scene?
0: I actually like the scene, the first scene, when Joy turned up and she started fighting the the police officers oh yeah um, I thought that was very creative the, the way that that was uh, choreographed and, and yeah. scripted the costumes were, her the costumes, costumes were amazing and, and just the absurdity of all of the the fights and the guy was upside down and then at one point um, her and her mother were fighting and they turned into drawings mm. uh, and yeah look it was very creative I, I think that was probably the scene that stood out to me as just being a real expression of the, the movie's creativity
1: I I would have to say my um, scene that I think is the best expression of the movie's creativity would be the rock scene. (laughs) I think the rock scene is one of the most understated, hilarious scenes of any movie ever. I was in tears. I also have to point out that I love the Goonies references and was instantly in love with the movie as soon as I realised that Data was starring in it. Like that's just – you've sold me instantly.
0: All right, so I guess it's my turn to give some recommendations to you.
1: Ooh, I can't wait.
0: Well, I've got something a little bit different today. Oh, you say and that every time.
1: No. That usually means it's well, going to well, be painful.
0: Well, no. So the last couple of times I acknowledge have been a little bit painful. Mm. And what I don't want to do is just destroy <laughs> any kind of hope and optimism that you have and <laughs> grind you down. That's not what I'm trying to do. So I thought today I do a... Clockwork s- orange. <laughs> So I thought what I'd do is um, give you a choice. Ooh, so it's okay, going to be ooh. like a mystery box, okay, or like a one of those game shows where you have to choose what's behind each door.
1: All right, love a game show.
0: Okay, behind door number one is something serious. Okay. So so something you know, like what maybe I've recommended before.
1: Mm-hmm. Are we talking film, book? What so are we talking?
0: These are all all three films. Okay. So number one is if you're, you're in the mood to kind of get a little bit destroyed. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number two is something light and funny, mm-hmm. but also very different. Not a whole lot of analysis there; just it, kind of something to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And the third behind door number three, something romantic. Okay. So all three of these movies are something I would recommend. And in fact, you know, much like some of the choices we make in life, it doesn't really matter what you choose because I'm going to recommend <laughs> the other ones to you later.
1: All right. I'm going to have to go door number two. Thanks, Eddie. Okay. <laughs> door number two. All
0: right. So behind door number two is, so it's a movie called Greener Grass. Oh. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. Have you seen it? No. All right. It's a movie from 2019. And if any of our listeners want to follow along, I believe you can find it. Well, looks like Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play or YouTube has it. But look, this is a movie from a couple of years ago. It has a really interesting and different sense of humour. It is a comedy.
1: I'm getting Black Hole Sun vibes from that um, (laughs) movie poster there. Yeah, it's funny. It's very different.
0: Some people might not gel with the style of comedy. Um, uh-huh. it's definitely not conventional, but I recommend it. And I think it's probably underrated. All um, right. I love a good underrated. Flew under the radar. So.
1: Okay. I'm looking forward to Enjoy. it. Enjoy. looks completely ridiculous.
0: It is completely ridiculous. Great. And that takes us to the end of another glorious episode. <laughs> Amanda, if our listeners have any questions or feedback or want to contact us, <laughs> how can they do it?
1: Uh, you can email us at podcast at gmail.com. Or you can contact us at Instagram at Not Quite Right Podcast or on Twitter at NQW Podcast. And we'd love you to follow our show on your podcast platform of choice, share it with your friends, spread the word. And leave a review, a five star review, obviously. Yeah, obviously. I don't <laughs> have to say it. Come on. <laughs> but we'd really appreciate it. That'd be great. Thanks, guys.
0: And thanks for listening. Until next time, right on.
1: Right on. Something doesn't seem quite right. My penis was oscillating between <laughs> extremely sensitive and borderline traumatized. The last place I wanted to be was Frost I'd been trying some home remedies, including one recommended by a friend. She'd urged me to apply Elizabeth Arden cream. My mum used that on her lips. You want me to put that on my todger? It works, Harry. <laughs> Trust me.
0: It works, Harry. Trust me. <laughs> what do you think about the word todger? <laughs> <laughs> it's offensive. It is the word that he would use, though. That's the, Oh, that's absolutely. The thing. I think if you came across it in a erotic fiction.
1: <laughs> Which you would. Would you? The word yeah. todger? Oh, yeah. You'd come across every possible synonym mm. <laughs> in erotic fiction, I reckon.
0: That one just has a weird connotation for me. Like, I just imagine some old British dude going,
1: <laughs> "My podger." It's not sexy. I think no, that's it's safe not sexy whatsoever. <laughs>